the Church of the Palms, and I serve here as an elder with our youth in the middle school and high school youth groups. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Let the winds of the Spirit blow in our midst today, loving God. Let us hear the sound and feel the power. Open our hearts in new ways to the promise of your healing grace so that we may be a blessing to one another and to your world. We need courage to face the challenges and struggles of life. We seek reassurance that you will be with us in our going out and our coming in. Strengthen our faith to withstand the trials and temptations that lead us away from a faithful journey with Christ. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Please stand for the call to worship. Arise, shine, for your light has come, 
and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Let us worship God. intimately. There is nowhere we can go that is apart from God. God surrounds our actions and he knows our hearts. God is well aware of every and each sin we have committed. God knows when we have willingly chosen other paths. Therefore, let us humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before him and confess our sins. O oh God, we confess that we have been far more ready to say we believe than to trust you <clears throat> to lead us to new ventures of faithfulness. We are afraid of the evil that surrounds us. We fear rejection, failure, and ridicule. We admire Jesus, but it is difficult to follow in footsteps that lead to a cross. In the midst of life as we know it, how can we catch glimpses of eternity? Save us, we pray, from our timidity and use our doubts as an entry to deeper faith 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Almighty God, who does freely pardon all who repent and turn to him, now fulfills in every contrite heart the promise of redeeming grace, forgiving all of our sins and cleansing us from an evil conscience. That is through the perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus our Lord. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. this morning once again let us repeat that wonderful creed the apostles created as believers I believe in God the Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who is conceived by the Holy Ghost born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I suspect a lot of us would want to shake the cobwebs out of our system by circulating for a moment and greeting one another.
Good morning. And congratulations. You turned your clocks up an hour. Good job. Well done. And even more congratulations when you don't make fun of the people that come in at about five minutes till 10 o'clock. So be nice. Don't be so proud. That will be you someday. My greatest fears of life is not to turn my clock up uh, at the change of the time. We're glad that you're with us this morning and we especially welcome you if you happen to be uh, new to our community or new to our congregation. We want to make sure that you feel welcome here and uh, perhaps you've come at, at the perfect time because our new members class is being held today and uh, that's a time where you can come and learn a little more about uh, Church of the Palms and about our life and ministry and mission and uh, you don't have to sign on the dotted line. You can just come and, and learn more about what is happening here. It's right after our service over at, uh, in the chapel at 1015. So come and join us. And you might want to also come and join us this evening. We look forward to our next installment of our series on Johann Sebastian Bach. And we're listening some, to some beautiful music. Many of you were there uh, this last Sunday evening, and uh, we'll look forward to it again this evening. And our harpsichord is on loan for that particular series, so uh, we're glad to have such able hands at those keys, and we're grateful that we'll be able to use that over the course of the next several weeks uh, well as we reflect upon the great music of Johann Sebastian Bach. You can come to that shortly after you have watched Michigan win the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> that they will be playing this afternoon. So also come and join us on Wednesday evening. A new class has started just this past week, A Friendlier Christianity. What a great subject thinking about that. It's almost, uh, almost shameful to think that we have to think about that, but that what would it look like for us to have a friendlier Christianity? Morgan Roberts is sharing in some reflections on his uh, uh, soon to be published book. So come and be with us. Reignite Retreat is just a couple weeks away. Still time for you to sign up. It is fast filling up. We would love for you to come and be a part of that great experience. It will begin here on the campus on Friday night and then over at Dayspring Retreat Center in the, in the day on Saturday. But we'd love to have you come, especially if you're in that point in time in your life where you're perhaps moving from one chapter to another chapter or you're soon into retirement or you just want to kind of figure out maybe what God's new call is in your life. We'd love to have you come and be a part of that. That's in just a couple weeks announcement in your bulletin. You can sign up underneath the tree. We also will be receiving under the tree uh, from uh, the efforts of Hayes Lever, who is uh, going to be with us over the course of the next couple of Sundays to receive uh, your help for foster children in our area. And she's collecting undies, socks, and clothing. And uh, you can no take note of that announcement in your bulletin, but Hayes would love to receive you under the, the tree with your donations that she can pass on to uh, the foster community. And some of you noticed when you came in, orange fence over there. There's, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. When you see orange fence, something is happening. Uh, it means that we received our permit. Now in Europe, the traffic signals go this way. They go from green to yellow to red, but then they also go from red to yellow to green when you're getting ready to go. Well, we've moved from red to yellow. 
So we still have a couple more weeks before we see lots of things going on there, but uh, things will begin to take shape and change, and we're grateful for all the efforts of our building committee to kind of push that uh, boulder up the mountain, and uh, we look forward to more progress uh, over the next couple of weeks. So we are grateful. We are also grateful for our tutoring ministry today. You will see in your bulletin an insert that has the names of all those folks who are volunteers in our tutoring ministry. Linda Evans, where are you, Linda? Linda, way back there, look back, wave, Linda. Linda Evans is our tutoring director. We'll give you, Linda, a big round of applause, please. And Linda would also want you to uh, recognize those folks who are involved in our tutoring ministry. And we would love to have all of you who are tutors, if you would please stand so that we can say thank you for the great work that you do each and every Tuesday and Thursday. So please stand, you humble lot. We, uh, it is one of the most inspiring moments of my week when I walk into the campus center and see uh, literally scores and scores of tutors at, at any one moment who are coming alongside of children uh, who need a little bit of help, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of just uh, one plus one equals two uh, to help get them over uh, the hump and to also receive uh, the grace and love of Christ that is met in the lives of these tutors. So we are grateful for your work and your effort and we bless you as you continue to be a blessing to others. Let's continue our worship. <clears throat> Oh 
Let us pray. Gracious God, we come before you this morning in gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise. We worship you this morning as a response to your outpouring of love and blessings on us. For the beauty and bounty of the earth, for the comfort of our homes, for the love of our families and friends, we give you thanks. O oh God, we come here to worship you, to sing your praises, to hear and study your word, and to present our petitions and our gifts. It's good to be able to come together and have this time to put aside the cares of life and the busyness of living, to have our spirits revived, our minds renewed, and our hearts refreshed. So we come to prepare for the coming week to reorient our minds and hearts in a world full of distractions and strife in order that we might focus on you and what is really important. We come to this place to remember that we are one people in one mission, to love you with all our hearts and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We lift our prayers to you, Holy Father, for your comforting presence and your loving provision for those of us who are facing difficult situations, struggling to make the mortgage or rent payment, working through messy relationship issues, waiting for a diagnosis, grieving for a dearly beloved, or just plain lonely or depressed. We also lift up to you all those everywhere who are poor or oppressed, orphaned or sick, in prison or far away from home. We pray for our nation and the world. May poverty, prejudice, violence, and war be replaced by generosity, tolerance, nonviolence, and peace. May we all come to know your true sense of shalom as you rule our world with justice, righteousness, and abiding love. Show us, O oh God, how you would have us help as your hands and feet on the ground. We can't meet all the needs, but each of us can do something as we live into our vision of becoming the most loving place in town. And now, O oh God, we join our hearts and voices in praying the prayer that our dear Savior Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue our worship with the presentation of our tithes and offerings. about that good hallway, and who shall wear the starry crown till dawn show me the way. Oh, Lord, let's go down, let's go down, come on down, oh, brother, let's go down. 
the river to pray, down to the river to pray. Oh, Lord, listen to your children pray. Oh, Lord, send your spirit in this place. Oh, Lord, listen to your children pray. Send us love, send us power, send us grace. Bless these tithes and offerings, O God, that we give to you out of all that that you first gave us. Multiply and use them to bring the word and the touch of Jesus to this place, to the people of our community, and throughout the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
You may be seated, and now Carol and the children are invited to come forward for the children's moment. I got three. <laughs> Four. Well, three little ones. So uh, if we're, it's beginning to be spring, and the Easter egg hunt is coming, and we're going to do it. That doesn't scare me. We've got lots of space out there. So, so um, how's everybody? It's spring break. Yay. So say hello to my little tree. This is a fruit tree, okay? The only thing is it hasn't produced very much fruit. And um, it's supposed to grow really big avocados. What do you think I should do with it if it doesn't? Why do you think it's not producing fruit? Is it its size? I don't know. I don't either. But I know that I really love avocados, and if it doesn't produce any avocados, then what should I do with it? Should I get rid of it? I don't know. Um, well, anyway, the reason why I brought it in is because the Bible lesson this week t is the story about the parable of the fig tree. And it totally reminded me of this tree, so I brought it in because um, this is what Jesus told us in the parable about the fig tree. He said a man had a fig tree and he planted it, it was planted in his vineyard. And he went to go look for fruit on the tree and there wasn't any. So he said to his gardener, who was taking care of the tree, for three years now, I have come by to try to get a, a fig off the tree, and there isn't any. He says, cut it down. What good is it? It's just taking up space in my garden. So then the gardener said, um, can I be allowed to take care of it for just a, a year? Because he thought that if he took care of it, watered it, and fertilized it, maybe it would produce some fruit. Well, we don't really know what happened. Um, at the end of that story, but we do know, I do know that there is a lesson here. So if you planted a fig tree, you would sort of expect it to produce a fig. I mean, it wouldn't produce oranges or apples or cherries or even avocados, would it now? So the purpose of a fig tree is to give us figs. So we have a purpose too. We've been planted, God planted us, he gave us life and he wants for us to produce something good in our lives, like fruit. So we need, to, we need to make our lives count. So just like the gardener, God has planted people in our lives to take care of us, to love us like our moms and our dads and our grandmas and our grandpas and all sorts of adults that love and care for us. And um, we grow in that love and care, don't we? So God planted us here on earth, and he wants us to produce good fruits in our lives. It's our purpose. And guess what? We don't have to grow up or be a certain age to produce good fruit. We can share God's fruit of God's love. We can also share the fruits that we have like our joy, love, peace, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of those. And it doesn't have to and it doesn't have to happen right away. You know, God keeps giving us chances and he gives us time, time to share our fruit. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving us and caring for us so much. No matter how big we are or how old we are, we will share your love with the whole world. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, Kevin.
be seated. The scripture passage today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish just as they did. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, and he found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three days I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I, I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O oh God, to hear the message you intend for each one of us from the word just read and the words to come. Amen. The time has come. The time is now. Just go, go. I don't care how. You can go by foot or you can go by cow. Marvin K. Mooney, will you please go now? Are you familiar with that Dr. Seuss book called Marvin K. Mooney? I read it to my kids when they were small, and I look forward to a time when I can read it to my grandchildren. Although I probably can't be in too big of a hurry since none of my five daughters are married and they are in high school, college, or graduate school at this time. The protagonist of this book is an unassuming furry little fella who seems to be nonchalantly walking through life when all of a sudden a hand larger than life booms into his little world and says with a certain amount of urgency, the time has come. The time is now. We aren't really sure what's so pressing for Marvin K. Mooney, where he just has to go right now, but we sense that the pressure is right there for him to get it done. Well, in our scripture passage today, we find Jesus to be just a little bit more direct, don't we? There is no question what Jesus is telling his disciples to do now. It sounds like turn or burn. I am hopeful that we can coax a good word out of this passage this morning for us gentle Presbyterians. Jesus had just finished doing a little teaching on judgment when some people came up to him and tell him about some horrible thing that had happened to some people from Galilee. That bloodthirsty Pilate had slaughtered a group of Galileans who were just on their way to worship. It's hard to imagine the horror, isn't it? A young family, several families, murdered on their way to church. In ancient Israel, culture and tradition would have hinted that those people must have really done some bad sinning for, to be struck down in that way. 
this may have been amped up just a bit more because the citizens were living in fear that this unpredictable tyrant named Pilate might do the same thing to them. Perhaps, if there was some explanation for the massacre, it's, if that's provided, then they could avoid that same kind of behavior and they could keep themselves and their families uh, safe and alive. As if reading their minds, though, Jesus says, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they're worse sinners than other Galileans? Inside, everyone's whispering, yeah, and I'm glad I'm not a sinner like them. Jesus clears this up with one breath and says, no, they're no worse than you, but I tell you, unless you repent, you will perish just like they did. And then Jesus gives his own example of when bad things happen to good people. A tower in Siloam fell and accidentally killed 18 innocent people. Did they do anything to deserve this? Jesus says, nope, no more than the Haitians deserve the hurricanes, or the Italians deserve the earthquakes, or the, or the Chinese deserve the floods. Bad things can and will happen to good people without a moment's notice. And what are we supposed to do with this uncertainty? What are we supposed to do with this randomness? Jesus says twice, the time is now. Repent or you will perish just like they did. But then Jesus gives us a little hope in the form of a fig tree. A man's walking through his vineyard and he sees a lovely fig tree, leaves all deep and green. There's one tiny little problem. This tree hasn't been planted as a decoration or something just to look at. It was planted to bear fruit. This is now the third year in a row that this tree, which has taken up valuable resources, land and water, and it still hasn't produced any fruit. So the landhold owner tells the gardener, grab the ax. Not unlike Abraham, who was pleading for the people in Sodom, or Moses begging for the lives of the Israelites, this gardener asked for just a little bit more time to help coax out some of the beautiful fruit. Sir, please, please, let me work the soil just a little bit. Just give me a year, I'll put together some nutrient-rich fertilizer, and maybe I can pour some life into this little guy, and who knows? Maybe we can still get some fruit. The command to repent or perish is softened with a little bit of manure, a little bit of help from the gardener in our lives. I read that the Greek word for perish in this example refers to eternity, not just mortality. Of course we're all gonna die, we're human. We just don't know when or where. But to perish is lifted up as something with eternal consequences. Jesus is saying, repent now so we can be together forever. But I wonder if Jesus is also saying, repent now so you don't miss the joy in living. To repent is one of Luke's favorite verbs. 
The Greek verb to repent means to change one's mind. It refers to a 180-degree change of mind and heart. Versions of the verb to repent show up more than 50 times in the, in the New Testament, and half of those are recorded by Luke. Luke names a lot of repenters, like the woman who anointed Jesus' feet, or the prodigal son, or Zacchaeus. Their lives were filled with conflict, often shameful behavior and misery. But they're the lucky ones, I think, because they hit some sort of bottom and it didn't kill them, and they had a chance to repent. Or they had some sort of encounter with Christ or with a gardener of God, and then they repented. They turned towards God, and they got to experience joy in life, that joy that comes from love and mercy and unexpected grace. And then their lives begin producing fruit. This fig tree was deemed worthless by fruit-producing fig tree standards. Yet the gardener is saying, let me spend some time with this one. By all rules, Skinner was a dead man. With these words, Arthur Brezzi begins his retelling of the day that he found his best friend in a World War II Japanese concentration camp. The two were high school buddies. They grew up together in Mount Carmel, Pennsylvania, playing ball, skipping school, going on double dates together. Arthur and Skinner were inseparable. It made sense then that when one joined the army, the other would as well. They rode the same troop ship to the Philippines, and that's where they were separated. Skinner was on a baton when it fell to the Japanese in 1942. Arthur Brezzi was captured a month later. Through the prison grapevine, Arthur had learned the whereabouts of his friend. Skinner was close to death in a nearby camp. Arthur volunteered for work detail in the hope that his company might one day pass through the camp where his friend was. One day, it did. Arthur requested and was given five minutes to find and speak to his friend. He knew to go to the sixth side of the camp. It was divided into two sections, one for those expected to recover, the other for those who were given no hope. Those expected to die lived in a barracks called Zero Ward. That's where Arthur found Skinner. He called his name, and out of the barracks walked the 79-pound shadow of his friend that he had once known. Arthur wrote this, I stood at the wire fence of the Japanese prisoner of war camp on Luzon and watched my childhood buddy, caked in filth and racked with the pain of multiple diseases, tottering towards me. He was dead, only his boisterous spirit hadn't left his body. I wanted to look away, but couldn't. His blue eyes, watery and dulled, locked on me and wouldn't let go. Malaria. Dysentery, scurvy, beriberi. Skinner's body was a dormitory for tropical diseases. He couldn't eat, he couldn't drink, he was nearly gone. Arthur didn't know what to do or what to say. His five minutes were nearly up. He began to finger the heavy knot of that handkerchief that was around his neck. It was his high school class ring. At the risk of punishment, 
He had snuggled it into the camp, knowing the eminence of disease and knowing the scarcity of treatment. He had been saving it to barter for medicine or food for himself. But one look at Skinner, and he knew he couldn't save it any longer. As he told his friend goodbye, he slipped the ring through the fence into Skinner's frail hand, and he told him to wheel and deal with it. Skinner objected, but Arthur insisted. He turned and left, pretty sure that he would never, ever see his friend alive again. What kind of love and mercy is this? It's one thing to give a gift to the healthy. It's one thing to share a treasure with the strong who can benefit from the gift and maybe even pay it forward someday. But to give your best to the weak, to entrust your treasure to the dying, now that's saying something. That's saying, don't give up hope. You have value. Here, let me work the soil around your roots and add some nutrients to help you produce fruit and live, if even for a short time. Do you know anyone who's standing on Skinner's side of the fence? A kid in class who is teased, a friend with cancer, a spouse with depression. If you know anyone who is afraid or has failed or is frail, then we know someone who needs the special care and nutrients of grace and love to help coax out the fruit of life. After Albert Einstein's wife died, his sister Majuk moved in to assist with the household affairs. For 14 years, she cared for him, allowing his valuable research to continue. In 1950, she suffered a stroke and she lapsed into a coma. Thereafter, Einstein spent two hours every afternoon reading aloud to her from Plato. She gave no, no sign at all of understanding his words, but he read anyway. If, he, if she understood anything by his gesture, she understood this. He believed that she was worth his time, that she was valuable and worthy of love. I think Jesus calls us into this dance of grace. The fruitless fig tree doesn't deserve it. The dying man doesn't deserve it, and we certainly don't deserve it. Yet God pours out his love right onto us, and then God uses us and joins us in the encounters with each other. All of a sudden, we're producing fruit, and we're also coaxing fruit out of others. And I think that's the kind of joy that Jesus just doesn't want us to miss, whether we're giving or receiving. And that's why the time is now. Randy Posh was a computer science professor at Carnegie Mellon who became acutely aware of how precious time is when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. In an effort to leave some wisdom and some stories for his three young children, Randy wrote the book, The Last Lecture, before he died at the age of 47. In this book, he tells the story of when he and his sister were at Disney World with their parents. He was 12 years old, and his sister was 14 years old, and their parents decided that they were now old enough to roam around the park unmonitored. This was 1972. In those days, 
Before cell phones, the parents told them to be careful, and they named the spot where they would meet in 90 minutes. The kids were thrilled beyond belief. They were at the coolest place on earth, and they had the freedom to explore it all on their own. They were so grateful to their parents for taking them there and for recognizing that they were mature enough to be left on their own that they decided to pool their allowances and to buy their, presents, their parents a present. So they went into a store and they bought what they thought was the perfect gift, a ceramic salt and pepper shaker featuring bears hanging off of a tree. They paid the $10, and they skipped down Main Street looking for their next attraction. Randy was holding the bag, and in a horrible instant, it slipped out of his hands, crashing onto the pavement. The thing broke on impact, and both he and his sister were in tears. An adult in the park, a guest there, had seen what had happened, and she came over to the kids and she said, take it back to the store. I'm sure they'll give you a new one. Randy objected. He's like, I can't do that. It was my fault. I dropped it. Why would the store give us another one? But she encouraged them just to give it a try. So they went back to the store, and they didn't lie. They explained exactly what happened. The employees in the store listened to their sad story, smiled at them, and told them that they could have a new salt and pepper shaker. The Disney employee even said that it was their fault because they hadn't wrapped it quite well enough. Our original packaging should have been able to withstand the fall due to a 12-year-old's overexcitement, is what they seemed to say. The kids were in shock, filled with gratitude, giddy with joy. Unexpected, undeserved grace does that. And one of the best things that I've discovered about God's economy is it doesn't matter if you're on the giving end or the receiving end of this love and mercy. The reverberations of joy are felt by everyone involved. We don't want to miss that. Fruitless fig trees Say that three times fast. Fruitless fig trees are all around us. And I'm pretty sure that I've had my fair share of seasons without producing much fruit. But the owner is looking for fruit. God created this world with beautiful people who need each other to bear fruit. And please do not assume that those of us sitting in church today whether on this side of the pulpit or that side of the pulpit, are automatically the gardeners. We are in this together, and we're not going to get it right every time. But if we stay connected to the owner, the owner of the vineyard, and if we respond to each other with the love, mercy, and grace that we have received, then maybe, maybe we can coax out some good fruit in each other. Think about where you normally spend your time and money, where you get your hair cut, where you shop for groceries or play golf or cards or get your morning coffee, or who you sit by in the bleachers watching lacrosse or soccer or baseball. Do you know their names? Do you know their stories? Can you tell when your barista needs a little encouraging? You know, that's what Jesus did. 
He connected with people, and he wasn't afraid to connect with people whose lives were not producing any fruit. Actually, he seemed to dwell among those who were often getting it wrong. But he didn't do it from a place of judgment or superiority. He did it from a place of unconditional love. He went into the home of the crooked tax collector. He spoke with the adulterous woman in public. He touched the terminally ill, the forgotten, the outcast, the children. Jesus didn't care what kind of lifestyle they were living, and he never asked people to join me in the temple. He went to them, and he spent time with them, building relationships, coaxing fruit. That's why Jesus was so intoxicating to be with. He was authentic and genuine. He looked people in the eyes. He used their name. He knew their story. He met their needs and he stood next to them when they were judged and ridiculed and left for dead. You want to know what happened to Skinner? He took the ring from his high school friend Arthur and he buried it in the barracks floor. The next day, he took the biggest risk of his life. He approached the kindest of the guards and he passed him the ring through the fence. The guard asked Skinner if it was valuable. Skinner assured him that it was. The guard smiled and slipped the ring into his pocket and he left. A couple of days later, the guard walked by Skinner and dropped a package at his feet, sulfonilamide tablets. A day later, he returned with limes to combat the scurvy. Then came a new pair of pants and some canned beef. Within three weeks, Skinner was on his feet. Within three months, he was taken to the healthy side of the sick camp. In time, he was able to work. And as far as Skinner knew, he was the only American ever to leave the Zero Ward alive. Both Skinner and Arthur somehow survived their ordeal. And they, when they met up at home in Mount Carmel, Skinner brought with him a small box for Arthur, an exact copy of the high school ring that saved his life. Friends, we can't underestimate the power of love to add the nutrients and the care around the trees that seem barren, nor can we overestimate the amount of time we have. The time has come. The time is now. Just go, go, go. I don't care how. You can go by foot or you can go by cow. Marvin K. Mooney, will you please go now? I said go and go I meant. The time had come. So Marvin went.
friends, we're at the beginning of a new week to look someone in the eye, to learn a name, to listen to their story, all in the hope of coaxing out some fruit. If not for them, then maybe for us. And now may God's extravagant love consume you. May the life and passion of Christ inspire you. And may the Spirit compel you to do ordinary things in extraordinary love. And the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Amen.